Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about ductal carcinoma in situ, also known as DCIS. It's often referred to as stage zero breast cancer. It's non-invasive, which means it hasn't spread out of the milk duct. DCIS can still be frightening, so it's important to understand the facts. In this episode, we welcome Dr Jocelyn Lippi, who specialises in oncoplastic breast surgery. Also joining us today is Ellis Zunderhaus. Ellis was diagnosed with DCIS in 2019. Welcome to you both. So Jocelyn, what actually is DCIS and how is it different to invasive breast cancer? Sure. So DCIS stands for ductal carcinoma in situ and it's quite a complex or confusing entity because it's not actually breast cancer. It's when there's abnormal cells within the breast that are a precursor to cancer that are likely to turn into cancer, but it's definitely not cancer while it's at that stage. And I feel very strongly that we should not be talking about it as cancer. And the confusion about that is that the word cancer is in its name. Um, it's different to cancer in that it doesn't pose a threat to your life while it's in that pre-malignant or precancerous stage because it can't spread outside the breast to other parts of the body that then would pose a threat to your life. And that means that there's no urgency to treatment or not the same urgency that there would be if there's a breast cancer. So it never moves past the milk duct? While it's still ductal carcinoma in situ, it can't get outside of the breast. Okay. So why is there the debate? It just has to do with the nomenclature or the way that we classify breast cancers, but it also has to do with the way that the cells look under the microscope because they look like cancer cells and they are cancer cells. It's just that they haven't moved beyond that cell layer. That means they've got the ability to spread to other parts. That cell layer is called a basement membrane and it's just about the classification of cancers, um, that there's always a classification where you can see cancer cells that haven't gone beyond that cell layer. The difference with DCIS is that you don't find a lump, do you? Yeah, that's right. So 90% of women won't have a lump when they find out about DCIS and they won't have any symptoms at all. So that's the vast majority of women who are told they have DCIS have no lump at all um, and they just find out about DCIS because they've had a routine mammogram or usually through the breast screening program or sometimes through their GP or another type of surveillance program. Ellis, you were diagnosed at 46. Mm -hmm. Did it come as a shock to you? Yes, absolutely, yes. Um, I do not have any history in the family. Um, I did not expect anything to be wrong. I literally just went for, look, I'm in my mid-40s. Why don't I not have a complete health check? I do the pep smear. Uh, I should go for a mammogram. So I signed up for the... Um, Breast Cream Victoria um, in the Rose Clinic, so just on a lunch break in the David Jones shoe department, um, with absolutely no expectation of something being wrong. 
Um, so when I then, maybe about 10 days later, received an email as a callback, um, I, was, I was very surprised and very anxious to know why that was. Mm. At that stage, it is just an email. And although I did reach out because there is a telephone number to, to ask questions, of course, there's nobody that can give any enlightenment yeah. on that. Mm. So it's a matter of waiting then for that callback. And um, I think where um, I've been I'm thinking about doing the podcast, of course, and where my most anxious moments within my journey have been was going back into the best screen again on a normal work day, yeah. not bringing any support, not taking a hus- my husband, not taking a friend, and just thinking, oh, I'll just whiz over for another mammogram. And from the mammogram, uh, we went into an ultrasound, and as the first doctor was doing that and called in for the next doctor, the anxious, the anxiety starts building. You think, oh, yeah. okay, something here is not right, and I, I don't have no idea what that would be because I don't have any experience. Um, but obviously you think of the worst. <laughs> yes. And then going straight into the biopsy, I've never experienced anything like that. We have discussed, Jocelyn and I, about the torture bench. It's been a, ho- it's a horrible yeah. t- tool, which obviously it's necessary. Um, I totally understand. But that was one of the moments, very low moments for me, feeling very lonely and vulnerable, yeah. even though the team was amazing. Everyone was wonderful, but it's that the 20 minutes that they're actually doing the procedure to you, yeah. when you're lying there, it, it's like a, a sort of a movie thing that comes through. You think, oh, what if? Yeah, that was so. Tough. So you've gone from no sign at all, no, no indication, no. to all of a sudden you're having surgery. Well, at that point, you know nothing, and then another week later, uh, you get called in for the results. And that's when I brought a friend, which was really good. I've got a husband who's a teacher, so he always struggles to get time off. Um, So I've got a beautiful friend. And that's when I met Jocelyn, because you basically get paired with a surgeon through Breast Cream Victoria. Um, I think the moment where they came and collected me with three people (laughs) was a sign where I thought, "Mm, this is not just one nurse. These are too many people. Um, Overwhelming. Totally, totally. Um, I do think, though, when... When we got to that stage and you get the results and the fact that I stayed with Jocelyn was obviously of, through her way of communication with me at that time that the experience of that torture bench uh, biopsy to, okay, we've got a problem and what are we going to do about it? I actually left less stressed than when I left from the biopsy. Yeah, right. well, so and that's really I had important. a plan. That's right. Mm, yes. I, I had... I was very clearly told, as we were just discussing, it's a, it's a precancerous form. It is not affecting my, my life. It's not a threat to my life. Um, so we were going to do surgery. And uh, there's images. Uh, uh, so it was really good for me to take that home and also then explain that to my husband and my family to say, okay, this is what we're looking at. Um, yeah, so yeah. communication, very important. And what, what sort of questions should someone be asking their doctor Mm. about DCIS? Um, So you want to ask your doctor what grade your DCIS is because that impacts the rate or the speed that it potentially can change into a cancer. So if you have high grade DCIS or low grade DCIS, it's really important to know because that impacts the sense of urgency as well. You want to know how much of the breast it affects because that impacts what type of treatment you're going to need. Would be good to ask, uh, would any other tests be helpful? So at that stage when you're diagnosed, usually you've just had a mammogram and an ultrasound 
ultrasound and sometimes an MRI can be helpful, but not for everybody, So, but it's worth asking the question. Um, it would be good to know what the risk of there being a cancer in there is. So if you have an area of the breast that's a larger area of the breast that has DCIS, so more than five centimetres, your chance of having a cancer hidden in there is higher. So that would be a good thing to know because it impacts what other treatment would be recommended. Um, if you're going to have surgery, what type of surgery they recommend. And if you're going to have a mastectomy, it's important to have the conversation about what the reconstruction options are. So. It's quite ironic that with DCIS being precancerous and the lowest grade, if you like, mm. that it can also mean a mastectomy. Yeah, mm. that's right. And that's the paradox about it, and I think that's part of why mm. it's so difficult to to come to terms with about, you know, why have I needed this radical mm. operation for a disease that never would have killed me um, and I think that is something that women find really yes, hard. to get your head around. How common is it for um, women to need a mastectomy? We don't have great data about Australia because it's not collected but our local audit from Perth um, was 46% of our women needed mastectomies for DCIS. Which is huge. Yes. It's massive, yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. and, and luckily you don't know that from the, the, the first day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it's it's really good, as through my experience, to take it in bites where you're at, do that first step. I mean, I don't know, you can answer that. Mm. If there's anyone in such a high grade that you have to go through a, a mastectomy straight away? Yeah, there okay. are there yeah. are women. And in yeah. fact, um, Ellis, even for you, a lot of surgeons would have looked at your initial imaging and said, no, this needs a mm. mastectomy. But because I was keen to try and, yes. and you were keen to yes. take that risk, we could mm. do some oncoplastic surgery and remove a larger area or a larger volume of the breast and do some rearrangement that a lot of surgeons some surgeons won't do okay. um, but certainly there's a lot of women who come to diagnosis knowing that they're going to need a mastectomy up front okay. and that has to do with the amount of breast that's affected compared to the volume or the size of your breast mm -hmm. initially so yes. um, yeah. yeah. Jocelyn could you just clarify oncoplastic surgery? So oncoplastic surgery is a relatively new term and it refers to um, the sort of marrying of on like oncology breast surgery as well as some plastic surgery techniques and the plastic surgery techniques that we've adopted from our plastic and reconstructive colleagues is about internal breast rearrangement. So the most common form is a breast reduction or a mammoplasty um, and what we can do with oncoplastic is a variety of different mammoplasties that move the breast around in huge number of ways um, that can be tailored from person to person that can um, allow much larger areas of the breast to be removed with still a good cosmetic outcome. And Ellis, you did end up needing a mastectomy. Yes. So you had one surgery for, as a lumpectomy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, uh, Jocelyn, was it because there weren't clear enough margins? And yeah. explain how perhaps you can't see mm. with the naked mm. eye. Yep, that's right. How large mm. the DCIS is. So most DCIS is impalpable or means you can't feel it. So when we're operating, we don't really know which part of the breast it affects. So you need some guidance to which part of the breast to remove. So Alice initially had some wires mm. is the most commonly used technique to find out which area of the breast to remove, but there's some other techniques we use as well. Um, and then when you remove that specimen, you do an x-ray and make sure you've got all the calcium that you saw on the original mammogram. But sometimes the DCIS isn't forming calcium and it can't 
it doesn't look or feel abnormal. So you think that it's clear and then the pathologist looks at that under the microscope and says, in Ellis's case, no. says there's still DCIS at that margin, yep. so more breast needs to be removed. And that's when you made the decision to have the mastectomy? Well, I think it's, it's important to say that Jocelyn and her team had looked at my case and whereas some surgeons would have said, let's go to that dramatic stage straight away, we together decided to see if we can go back into an exertion and see if, if we can take more of the tissue out to then get that clean margin. Um, so we did that. So it'd be 10 days after, I think about 10 days or 14 days after, went back in for day surgery um, to take more tissue. Um, again, go back home, think about it, happy with the result, no pain. Uh, it really has to be said, I bounced back extremely quick after those lumpectomies and those day surgeries. Um, but then again, I got bad news. It was again not clean enough. Uh, and that's when it's not my decision. It's, mm. it's, it's not an option to not do it. Mm. Um, because I think in my case, we, we talked about my DCS had a 30% chance of growing into breast cancer. And that is not a number you are comfortable with. So then, that's it then. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And it's a really personal decision because everybody feels differently about their body and and what options are made. Yeah. And some women would have been faced with your choice early on and said, no, I don't want to take that chance. I'll just go straight for yep. a mastectomy. Mm. Um, and it's, say, nice, but nothing's nice about it. That for DCIS, you've got the time to be mm -hmm. making those yes. big decisions and you don't have to make those decisions fast. Um, it I was think very because there's no urgency. Yeah. Is that the yeah. yeah? Not the upside. No. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. It is the upside that there's no urgency. It's, mm. You know, I could still sleep at night. To actually, I actually went on that holiday yeah. before that first lumpectomy, and I actually really enjoyed it because I knew there was no urgency. So I do think that that's a very important part of it. Mm. Um, at the same time, I, as much as I was given the option of waiting for three months, that was would have been a too much of a stretch <laughs> because then you get all these scenarios of maybes yes. so once we did the holiday we sort of went from one to the next yeah as long as your body can have enough time to recover yeah and that was a good thing yes and it's probably a good time to clarify the urgency as well so you know i say that there's no urgency but just like that I wouldn't have been comfortable with three months either. Yeah, that's right. You know, yes, but a couple yes. of weeks or a month, I think, yeah. is safe. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, apart from surgery, what are other um, common forms of treatment with DCIS? So, if you've had most of the breast kept, um, we'd usually recommend radiotherapy with that as well, but not for everybody. Uh, and that's to reduce the chance of the DCIS or cancer coming back in that breast. If you've had uh, a lumpectomy or wide local excision, the chance of it coming back without radiotherapy is about 20%. Uh, and that risk is highest in the first 10 years and then settles down uh, a little bit after that. But if you have radiotherapy, that risk comes down to 10%. Mm -hmm. uh, we never offer chemotherapy for pure DCIS because chemotherapy's job is to mop up any cancer cells that are left spreading throughout your body but that can't be the case if there's no cancer at all. Um, and the other treatment we sometimes talk about is hormone tablets, the same hormone tablets we talk about for breast cancer. Uh, and that can reduce the chance of more DCIS, but depends on the type of DCIS you have, if it's using oestrogen and progesterone to grow. Um, and 
it tends to be very cultural. For example, in America, they use a lot more of it than we do here. We tend not to recommend it all that much in Australia. Is there ever a scenario where it's safe to avoid treatment for DCIS? Um, so this is a really contentious issue and a huge area of research um, locally and internationally. So um, there's been some international trials opened up um, to see whether it's safe to avoid surgery in women who've got what's called low-risk DCIS. So that's women who've got... Um, it's almost always low intermediate grade, so slower growing DCIS. Um, and normally older women, more mature women. Um, and in these trials, you can be randomised or placed into one or two groups where you're either having what's called active surveillance, where you've got routine and regular monitoring versus um, conventional treatment, so surgery plus or minus radiotherapy. Um, and they've, they've got good names. So the UK trials, Loris, and the American trials, Comet, and the English and the European trials called Lord. Um, we were in some discussion about trying to get it up and running in Australia and New Zealand, but we probably don't have the numbers locally of patients who'd fit into that category. But really, it would only be that very low-risk um, person and, and that actually makes up a, a very small minority of women with diagnosed. With is there a certain age group that is more likely to get DCIS? It's the same age group um, demographic as for breast cancer so typically as we mature you become higher risk so Ellis for example would otherwise be at a no, like a low risk and that's the interesting thing about risk is that low risk is not no risk. Yes. And can what I, are the, sorry, can I sure. add to that more a question? Because I now obviously tell all my friends to go and have their boobs checked. Um, if, if I would have waited, if I did not have gone in when I did, mm. and I, I was waiting for my, I turned 50 and I get a call from the, the yeah, uh, what is breast it? Breast screen. Yeah, breast screen. Mm. Um, is, it, is it fair to say that my, my situation would have been a lot worse? potentially yeah potentially yeah. and it's hard to predict and that's part mm. of the problem with DCIS is that we know that not all DCIS goes on to be cancer yeah most cancer starts as DCIS and we just don't have the information to know who's will and who's won't yes. so um, it's estimated about eight percent of women die with DCIS in their breast mm. so without knowing yeah, yeah without mm. knowing and without it progressing so it's hard to predict so not the, not being the cause of death exactly but yep. it also means that not all breast cancers have started as DCIS that's right no yeah. they're I not think that's all also them. really important mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah but the worry is that you don't know yes and um, you can't predict that and is therefore if 50 the right age to start screening? 50 is the age that we recommend through breast screen because it's this balance between when your risk is the highest mm -hmm. and mammograms are a better test. Right. So mammograms for very young women, sort of 20s and 30-year-old, it's not a great test because your breast density is still very high, mm -hmm. whereas you mature, your breast density goes down and you see more on a mammogram, but also your risk increases. Yes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, of course, if you've got a history of breast cancer then you have your screening earlier mm. and if you ever have any real concerns I think you can always go to your GP yep. and be reassured yep. by that rather than, than worry about it. So what's the follow-up care for someone with DCIS? So once you're diagnosed with DCIS you come out of the breast screening program and you have regular tests. If you still have breasts remaining you'd still need a mammogram and an ultrasound and possibly an MRI and that would usually be recommended for every year and you'd 
just um, see a surgeon once a year or sometimes more frequently for follow-up. So what's the chance of recurrence? Uh, in, a rem- in a remaining breast that's had treatment for DCIS, that risk is 20% over 10 years if you have not had radiotherapy or 10% over 10 years if you have had radiotherapy. But for your other breast or if you've had a mastectomy, it, those risks are different. So for the other breast, if you've had one mastectomy, the other risk, the risk to the other breast is 0.5% per year. Um, And typically it's found earlier because you're having tests done more often. BCNA's Helpline provides a free, confidential phone and email service for people diagnosed with breast cancer. BCNA's experienced team will help with your questions and concerns and provide relevant resources and services. Call 1800 500 258 or email contact at bcna.org.au. Tell us, what has the recovery from your treatment been like? So the, I've, I've had various stages, of course, and so I really felt that the first lumpectomy, a two-night stay in hospital, I, I almost tempted to feel that I was more exhausted from anaesthetic and just from the experience of hospital, being away from home, um, but not in a pain level. I have not experienced a lot of pain. A lot of Panadols regularly was absolutely fine. Um, I had some um, tingling in my arm Mm. after the lymph node was taken out from under the armpit. That's something that the armpit still is quite numb, but it's it's numb, so it means it actually doesn't bother me. I just can't feel it when I shave it. Um, The main recovery, and I still feel that today, my my big... um, mastectomy surgery so I this is something I feel very passionate about explaining as well I was fortunate to go in with my breast and come out with a new breast so it looks and feels amazing and I think that's really important um, and I was lucky enough to you know be in my mid-40s and have a little bit of speck around my waist and that could actually be used as a donor but it does mean that I, w- I woke up being in a, quite a a state of shock to see the the surgery, um, what do you call that? Scars. Scars, and um, that has that that was huge. And only later on I realised that I had been um, sort of bent over 15 centimetres, so I've had really serious back pains. I've been really struggling with my back, if anything else, mm. um, because for six weeks, two months, I was never up straight again. Um, so it took me a long time to just get back into doing my normal things to have my own shower. Mm. And I did not consider that. Yeah. And I don't think you can consider that. Um, until I woke up after my... That, that whole surgery took about eight hours. So it's a huge day for all surgeons involved. And um, extremely happy with everybody who did it. But I did not see that the extent of that recovery coming because I'd never had anything. I yeah. never had surgery, I never even had stitches. Mm. So little things like my, my skin um, was agitated by surgery uh, material like the, um, the, stitches. the stitches. So it's sort of like, really? Yeah. <laughs> With everything else? Um, so it gets yeah. infected and you need antibiotics. So that was just a layer on top of what was already there. Um, and I think that was that's definitely a, a harder journey to recover from than the breast itself. Mm. It's a major the, surgery. It is major it is. surgery, yeah. yeah. And it's hard to arm you with 
that expectation about recovery yes. because there's so much other information to digest. Yeah, and I think and you also don't, as much as you you know, they say, look, if you if you use your own donor tissue, it will take you about six weeks. You think, oh, that's a long time, six weeks. And then you sit at home and then six weeks is a really long time. Yes. <laughs> to have limited mobility. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's yes. right. Um, what about mentally? How have you recovered mentally? Um, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's weird because I went in feeling fine. I wasn't sick. I didn't have any problems. Mm, yep. And I now look at myself after a shower. I'm like, whoa, uh, that's been quite a bit of stuff happening. Um, but I still feel lucky because I do, I do understand what could have been and I don't have to worry. So I, as much as I physically have been quite tired and all of that, um, I don't lie awake worrying about what if or... or whether there's another yeah, the, one. Yeah, the, and yeah. the good thing is actually that because it's now completely clean on my right breast, yes. that's that. We're done with that. And I remember mm. seeing Jocelyn for the last time somewhere in September and you said to me, I'll see you in May. And I left and I was a bit lost. I'm like, what do you yeah. mean? I'm no longer your patient. What am <laughs> yeah. I going to do now? <laughs> and that's very common for, yeah. for many of our, really our, our women. Yeah. The, yeah. The, it's, the treatment stops and all of a sudden it's just like you're at the other end of like, what yes. do I do now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah. think a lot of women at that point have a really strong sense of anxiety of because you've sort of got a security blanket in a way when you're having such intensive treatment mm -hmm. and you're seeing lots of people and then it's like what what do you mean six months yes i can't talk to anyone or now i'm supposed to be normal <laughs> i'm not mm. yeah. <laughs> because that takes time yes mm. but other than that um i'm extremely impressed because i didn't know anything about this field um what can be done how was i didn't realize how your own body could be a donor how, uh, for me, plastic surgery, and I really do apologise to all the brilliant people out there, was about um, uh, enhancement of your looks. Mm. And now I understand the complexity of it and what it all means, mm. um, yeah, to, to, to fix it all up. And it's amazing. It really mm. is amazing. So I was yeah. very pleased, yes. So, Justin, is there any correlation between if you've had DCIS that you're more likely to get a separate cancer? Are they ever linked? They are linked because it relates to cell division. So it, DCIS starts from a couple of cells that have divided badly. And so if you have had DCIS, you are at a higher risk of having it on the other side um, or having cancer on the other side. Okay. So what lifestyle changes can people make to yep. help the reduce the risk. The risk, yeah. Yep. Um, and so the, the general advice that we give for women um, in terms of reducing their risk of developing breast cancer before as well, so it's about um, keeping a healthy BMI, and that's more important after you've gone through menopause than before menopause, but at any age. Uh, regular exercise is a really important factor, and the recommendation is 150 minutes a week, which is three sessions, sorry, five sessions of 30 minutes a week, which is quite a bit of exercise. And that's supposed to be proper good going cardiovascular exercise when you're a bit short of breath um, throughout it. The other thing you can do to reduce your risk um, is related with alcohol and the relationship with with alcohol is actually a little bit depressing. Um, so if you drink more than two glasses a week, your risk is higher. Yeah, I know. Oh, that was my face when I... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the recommendation generally is that for a woman, you can have one glass a day and yeah. that that's safe. But for cancer risk, it's not. 
and um, so they're, they're the things that you can change. There are things that impact your risk that you can't change, like your genetics or your breast density, but they're the things that you can impact. Okay, Jocelyn and Ellis, thank you for joining us today on you, Upfront, Kelly. which was produced with thanks to Dry July. If you'd like more information on DCIS, BCNA's My Journey online tool is a fantastic resource and easy to download. The opinions of all our guests are welcome, but not necessarily shared by BCNA. Of course, if you have any individual concerns, please contact your health professional. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being Upfront with us. Mm -hmm.